Hi, this is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy. www.cheapastro.com And this is The Shape of Space, The Mathematics of De Sitter Space-Time. This is the second of two podcasts on some interesting aspects of Einstein's general relativity field equations featuring my dad, Professor Graham Nerlick. What interests me about De Sitter space-time is that he gets it out of pure mathematics. Uh-huh. Do you have a story you can talk us through so we can see how that comes together? Yeah, I have. Minkowski said, and this was back in 1908, you don't really need to approach the Lorentz transformations and special relativity in the way that Einstein did. You can really get it out of pure mathematics. And other people said, why was it that 10 years before Einstein, people didn't just look at the maths and say, this looks funny. Why, why shouldn't it be that we've got all four dimensions tied together by this constant C, which is just there in order to, to make a unity. That's all it's doing in the first instance. It's got nothing to do with light, nothing to do with electromagnetism or anything in the world other than space and time themselves. Okay? Mm. Uh, that's what Minkowski said. And then in 1977, you get Freeman Dyson writing a paper called Missed Opportunities. And he, he says, look, Minkowski saw that an opportunity had been missed. And then he goes on to say, Minkowski should have pushed this further because the Lorentz transformation tells you what happens at a point. But there is something else about transformations. What if you shifted the whole position of this and translated it to another spatial region or another later event? Then you get another strange-looking thing, purely mathematically. And Dyson says, if Minkowski had only applied the same reasoning to this group of transformations, which is called the Poincaré group, he would have seen that it's bizarre in just the same way, and if he tried to fix it up in a very similar way to the way he fixed up the Lorentz transformations by adding a new constant, then you would get the cosmological constant. And so you think to yourself, okay, what's the geometry that this is telling you about? And the answer is De Sitter space-time. Mm-hmm. De Sitter space-time just goes a bit further. It's what you get by making the Lorentz transformations, together with movements in space-time, homogeneous. That uses a more elegant transformation group, and out of it pops this hyperboloid De Sitter space-time. So all that, according to Dyson, and uh, these guys of whom Cacciatore is the, the, the main name, have said, well, look, you can get accelerated expansion of space-time just out of pure mathematics. We don't need dark energy. That's just there because people think what happens to space-time must be a matter of what happens to the matter in it. And Dyson and Cacciatore are saying, no, it could be just the geometry, just the natural geometry. So it sounds like Einstein had all the right maths, but he decided for reasons that aren't clear to me, that the universe was static. He said this was the greatest mistake of his life, to think you had to have a stationary universe. The cosmological constant was sort of lurking around the place anyway as one of the constants of integration. He said, well, look, 
I want Minkowski space-time to be the result you get if there is no matter. You've got to do something special with a cosmological constant to stop the universe from changing, either expanding or contracting. And he did. And people then said, but look, if you didn't do anything special, just let it rip. What you get is de Sitter space-time. That would be the simplest solution. So Einstein was sort of timid, really, rather than thoughtful. Mm. And he said so himself. It was the worst mistake of his life. But did he ever talk about the Sitter space? I mean, Oh, he was well and truly familiar with it. Would he have ever derived the fact that the universe is expanding at an accelerating rate? Well, it was one possibility. When he looked at what the equations told him, he just saw that they weren't going to allow a steady state unless he tinkered with a cosmological constant, which he forthwith did because he thought it was just unreasonable that you should have an expanding or contracting universe. I don't know that the accelerated expansion idea really occurred to him, though it was certainly there in De Sitter. But people thought that the De Sitter space-time was not interesting, really, because it was an empty matter solution to the Einstein equation. So you set the matter tensor to be zero, uh, and then you get De Sitter space-time. But if you now consider, well, what if we put some matter in then you can put it in, and naturally put it in, in such a way that it just disturbs the overall structure of De Sitter space-time fairly locally, just where there is matter. So the overall picture, the big cosmological picture, just remains the De Sitter space-time picture. Well, that is very consistent with the observational data where dark energy seems to arise in the emptiest parts of space. And yeah. seems, it seems to appear more more quickly now compared to you know billions of years ago because the universe is bigger and emptier. Mm. So is it fair to summarise with this idea that perhaps dark energy isn't really a force, the same way that gravity isn't really a force either? Yeah, it's very difficult to find people who will form consistent sense about this because they start talking about dynamical terms like force, energy, and so on, when what the theory is really telling them is something geometrical. Now, this seems to me to be outrageous, because if you look at it in the natural way, all this is just about geometry. But people think, oh, no, if, you, if you've got to have space and space-time, you've got to have an eerie something or other, and we don't quite understand what it is, so we'll write it as if it was all dynamics and to do with matter when it isn't. So that I think there are fundamental ways in which general relativity is frequently misunderstood, not always, frequently, by people who are just intimidated by the idea of admitting that space-time is something real. So the shape of space says, that's what you want to be thinking about, the shape of space, the geometry, never mind all this stuff about dark energy. So the fact that Dyson and Cacciatore have said all this stuff and Cacciatore said, you don't really need dark energy. It's not about energy. It's about geometry. Uh, that's something that pleases me a lot. It sort of fits with what I like to think is the truth. I get the impression people don't like dark energy deniers because it sounds like you're saying there's something wrong with physics, which I don't think you're saying at all. Oh. Um, in fact, all the, all the physics we have now works fine. It's just the, the geometry of the universe 
has an influence on these things. You're taking the fundamental equation of a brilliant, long-standing theory which has worked wonders, and you're saying, look, you don't need to tinker with things on the right-hand side of the equation, which is all about matter, when it's already all there in the left-hand side, the geometry. So rather than think, oh, we've got to fake up something called dark energy, and who knows what it could possibly be, but it will cheer us up if we think that energy has got to be what expands the universe. Whereas if you say, well, it doesn't have to be. Can I ask you then, do you have any views about dark matter? Uh, no, I don't. It's one of those things that astronomers, observers and physicists worry about. But if you're a philosopher, it's not really terribly interesting. And it seems the more plausible of the two dark things that we're struggling yes. with at the moment. Yes, I, I gather it's not so bad as dark energy. Okay, thanks for this. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Nerlich from Cheap Astronomy, www.cheapastro.com. Cheap Astronomy offers an educational website where dark energy spelt backwards is Ukrain Ekrad. No ads, no profit, just good science. Bye.